This is Killstreak Episode 7. I am one of your hosts, Eric Goslin, and joining me now from, I don't know, 1,500 miles away? Yeah. He used to just be 20 miles away, <laughs> if that, 10 miles away. Michael Price. Hey, everybody. I'm uh, 1,500 miles away. <laughs> uh, but you're always close in our heart. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I just completed a move to Austin, Texas, which is uh, a requirement for people of a certain disposition to <laughs> leave Los Angeles and then go ruin this city instead. So Yeah, man, I love Austin, Texas. I've had some really good good memories there. Um, I can't wait to come out and vid- visit you, but obviously, hey, you know, now's not the time. No, no, now's not the time to visit with anybody, but it's pretty cool, uh, partially in honor of today's episode and partially due to um, space constrictions that will be mm-hmm. addressed in the near future. I'm recording outdoors. Man, uh, you're getting that Texas ambiance. Yeah, so if you guys hear some crickets, some owls, some sirens, a little wind, it's, a, it's all me, baby. And I think it's just going to add to the uh, the tone and to the um, overall feel of this podcast because this episode we are going to be covering the Blair Witch Project. Next three episodes are going to be about – well, four episodes really are going to be about uh, the Blair Witch series. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we're starting at the beginning, the movie that started it all. Yeah, and let's go ahead and get this out of the way right now. This is one of my big horror movie blind spots. Until last night, I had never seen The Blair Witch Project. That's crazy to me. I saw this movie so many times. <laughs> uh, I don't think I saw it on opening night, but it was soon after opening night. Um, and that's just. It, how did you avoid it? Um, well, I told you this off the off the air, but I'll I'll sort of uh, recap. This movie came out right when I was in the in the middle of high school, at my absolute most contrarian, just a terrible <laughs> shitty teenager. Um, and this movie was insanely popular, and as a result, I wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> um, and I heard it was good. Um, but by the time uh, I think I had come out of my sort of funk of being just a miserable asshole and I was ready to give this movie a chance, I, I felt like I knew too much about it. And, uh-huh. and then just, I mean, honestly, like the timing is great because now it's like it's been, you know, a decade since I thought about this movie. Sure. Uh, it's been 21 years since it came out. Um, and yet, yeah, 1999 was when it came out it's really nuts and yet it still feels like it, it at least when i think about it it feels modern to me um yeah um it's really it was such a cultural phenomenon i understand that impulse of being contrarian um like for instance i've still never seen titanic <laughs> oh wow because for basically that exact reason sure where i just like I was like, nah, not for me. Have not going to do it. Have you seen Avatar? I have seen Avatar. Okay. I, I saw Avatar, I think, opening night. <laughs> not re- not because I was such a fan of it. Uh-huh. I was just home. I happened to be home in Maine. Yeah. Um, visiting, and I had nothing to do that night. And I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go see Avatar. And I had to sit all the way over to the left, oh, no. all the way in the front. <laughs> Did you see a 3D screening? 
Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first 3D screening of anything I ever went to. And, really? Yeah, and I try not to make a habit of it because I don't particularly like them. No, I don't either. And I hate them wearing glasses. Uh, it sucks putting the glasses over your glasses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, contacts always dry out for me. Yeah. Well, Titanic's pretty good, honestly. It's long, but it's uh, you know it's one of the highest grossing movies of all time for a reason. Yeah, I mean, I think the length right now is probably what will keep me from watching it. it I, I mean... I'm to the point now where I'll be trying to find a movie to watch with my wife on like a Friday and be like, well, this movie is supposed to be really good, but it's an hour and 45 minutes. This movie's not supposed to be that great, but it's an hour and 30 minutes. Let's oh, do that one. <laughs> Oof. I mean, I did, yeah. this, I did the same thing with my girlfriend, but if you're, if you're quibbling over, over, uh, you know, 105, one, that's, that's, uh, whew, yeah, but Hey man, yeah, if it works for you. Um, but back to, uh, Blair Witch Project. Um, yeah, this definitely, uh, was super on my radar. I just didn't watch it and I watched it last night and sort of on your recommendation and we watched it in the dark. My girlfriend had also never seen it. We watched it together. That was fun. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So I'll tell you a little bit of my, uh, my experience seeing it for mm-hmm. the first time. And then I really wanted – I do want to hear uh, what it was like now watching it 21 years later. Sure. Because um, for people who are too young to know or maybe don't know, I don't know. I'm sure you know. But this movie, when it came out, the buzz around it was that it was real. Mm-hmm. That – and it really was one of the first viral marketing campaigns that I can think of, that I'm aware of. I'm sure yeah. there was others, but um, it really – I mean the it, that, <laughs> It's it's the first time anybody really used the internet to do anything like this. Yeah, yeah. There was you know there were websites about like either missing posters for the mm-hmm. for the three main characters. Um, so the word around was like, oh, this is a real movie. Or the footage was found. It was cut together, and this is real. Um, so that surprise got spoiled. That it wasn't real got spoiled for me before I saw it for the first time. But I did see it with my friend and my dad um, who just don't really pay attention, don't really pay attention or didn't pay attention mm-hmm. to movies. So I told them it was real and then I didn't say anything else until nice. the end of it nice. <laughs> um, because I wanted them to have that experience. And, um, yeah, I loved it when I saw it. It was – there's – it's so immersive. Now, of course, the um, the found footage thing has been done a million times over. Thanks yeah. to this movie. I mean, it's a bir- yeah, it birthed a genre, certainly. It's not the first movie that ever did something like this, but it's the one that really made it catch on. Right, yeah. It's the one, I think, that people saw, like that film people, uh, studios, saw, mm-hmm. like, oh, we can make a movie for not a lot of money, yeah. and it could potentially make a fuckload of money. Yeah, um, and yeah, you mentioned the money thing. It's funny that we were talking about Titanic before, because so this movie at one point was the Guinness records holder for the most profitable film ever made, and it's still in the top five. Wow! Um, the initial production budget of this movie was fifty grand. Um, yeah, th- and there's a lot of uh, there was a, a lot of like back and forth of how much it costs. So yeah, nobody knows for sure still. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. A couple hundred K got sunk into it for post-production. 
Sure. Um, and then if you want, like, and then this is like, you can get into crazy semantic arguments when it comes to this stuff. Like, if you want to count the ad budget, then that goes way up. And that oh, sort I'm of sure thing. that was enormous. But I think just in terms of production and post production, it's still hovering around half a million dollars. And, okay. And the movie, the total. But box office is like close to two hundred and fifty million. Amazing! That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, one of the the things that blows my mind the most about it is it's a one hit wonder. Yeah. In, uh, the uh, the two directors um, who I'm blanking on their name Daniel Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. They've made other movies, uh, and I think one of them has made more than the other, but none of them have been successful. None of them have been good apparently um and all of the actors i know heather popped up in like some freddie prince jr movie yeah apparently she's uh grows marijuana now i read that yeah yeah. and she fucking hates this movie i I believe it well it fucked with her family and her personal life and all this stuff mm -hmm. well because again like if we go if you want to go back to this discussion about the viral marketing campaign the producers and the directors made the three principal actors pretend that they were dead for the the course of uh, the lead up, uh, the advertising for this movie. Uh, and people were calling their houses and their families and their mothers and, and like condolence calls and shit like that, uh, because these people literally had to pretend that this was real. That's crazy that in knowing a little bit of how the movie was made it doesn't seem like a very fun movie to have been in. No. Uh, uh, like, they seem pretty <laughs> tortured. Yeah, and I think that it's it's funny that you mentioned that. Because, one, yes, everything that I read seemed to suggest that while the movie is not real, the directors did a lot of stuff to try to elicit real reactions and real behavior from the cast members. Mm-hmm. Um made the filming of the movie really uncomfortable and this is all reminiscent of something that you and i were texting about earlier today which is a movie that that blair witch project seems to take a lot of cues from although who knows if the directors uh really considered it uh much of an influence or not is uh a movie from 1980 called cannibal holocaust Uh, oh yeah one of my blind spots yeah so what is your what do you know about cannibal holocaust um, I know that it, it, it was a fake document. Well, it put forth as if it were a real documentary. Mm-hmm. It's a fake. It's a it's a fake documentary about uh, tourists who get killed by a, an African tribe or South American um, tribe or something. Yeah, it's actually a, like a film crew. Um, and yeah, they go to the Amazon. Okay, uh, so yeah. I think it's Colombia. Um, it's an Italian movie directed by a guy named Ruggiero Deodato, um, mm. and it is a famously controversial film for a bunch of reasons, uh, one of which is it's disgusting. Um, mm-hmm. It's gory. Uh, it is... Uh, how would I put it? It's very... It's super exploitative. I've seen it. I saw it when I was in high school, and sort of tracking down this kind of stuff was, uh, you know, sort of a, a past. A little more a difficult. Pa- or, no, I was going to say more of a pastime of mine. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay. Uh, like another movie that was getting talked about a couple weeks ago because the director passed away, uh, Bloodsucking Freaks. Uh-huh. Is, yeah. 
Yeah, just, it's, uh, when on Shutter they uh, drew Bob's last driving. Yeah, and just I mean this is sort of a no brainer. There's so much crossover, but if anybody isn't familiar with Joe Bob Briggs or is familiar with Joe Bob and doesn't realize that he has a show on Shutter called The Last Drive-In, you are missing out. Please go watch it immediately. Oh, it's so good. It's um, so good. Yeah, he's one of my uh, like horror icons for sure. Mm-hmm. Me um, too. But yeah, Cannibal Holocaust, Bloodsucking Freaks. These are mo- these are bad movies by and large that are just so disgusting and exploitative and crazy that people seek them out just to see, you know, this was a movie that people thought was a snuff film. Um, Mm -hmm. They thought that it was real. And not only uh, is it gross, but there's like a bunch of animal cruelty uh, tied up in this movie. They killed like seven live animals and filmed it over the course of production. That's honestly what kept me from wanting to see it yeah i mean it's really unsettling and it's not the kind of thing that i would seek out now but having seen it it is interesting how many parallels there are uh even in in the uh, advertising for the movie they they Mm. did a similar thing where they actually had uh the cast pretend that they were dead um and and the director got hauled into court um and at one point, like, they were considering charges of murder, and he had to prove that these people were alive because it's so convincing. So, Wow. Um, yeah. A lot of people, people try to make sort of um, after-the-fact uh, arguments that it's, you know, like a social commentary, and it's actually kind of a, a self-aware movie, but most of the stories from the set seem to suggest the director was just kind of an exploitative creep. Uh, sure. Not the case, I think, with Blair Witch Project, but interesting in that, you know, that sort of almost uh, borderline abusive production. Yeah, is, it, reminds me a, it reminds me a bit of, like, what I've heard of William Friedkin on set, hmm. of, like, shooting, and on the set of The Exorcist would shoot a shotgun into the air <laughs> before seeing... Scare the shit out of everybody? Yeah, yeah. and, like, slapping people and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, so that that definitely comes to mind. Uh, and you know what, man? It's fucking effective <laughs> because I think the acting in this movie is pretty phenomenal. It is. I mean, it. I for me, knowing as much as I did about the production, knowing that this is all uh, movie magic, that this is they cast actors and that's fake. And, you know, one of the things that they misled people about very successfully is that this the legend of the Blair Witch isn't even something. It's something that they came up with. Um, right. But they managed to get a sci-fi, like, hour-long documentary aired before the movie came out to sort of drum up this idea that this was a real thing. Yeah, yeah I remember that. It was on. It was an extra on the on the DVD. And actually, I bought it on iTunes because I couldn't find my DVD copy. Mm-hmm. So, because <laughs> I, was, I was like, well, okay, I should probably look for it before I just rent it. And I ended mm-hmm. up buying it because it's 10 bucks. Um... Yeah, and I, I remember watching that, and I had, I had to check it out again. I, I, I had, like, a comic book that, like, filled in some of the backstory of the okay. Blair Witch. Um, I remember getting really into just the lore of it all. Not, I don't remember a ton of it now because it was 21 years ago, but there's something, the way they dole out the story, the way they, they slow, slow, like, little bits and pieces of lore here and yeah. there. Um is very effective to me. It, it, it's a mysterious movie. Yeah, they. I mean, honestly, it's this. It's 
they handle a lot of that stuff really well. And I think that's such a testament to the work they did uh, on just like putting this movie together. This could have gone wrong in a million different ways. Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, Um, so I guess we're beating around the bush. Did you like the movie? Uh, Yeah, I did. I thought it was good. Um, It was scary. I don't want to, you know, say everything that I think right at the outset of the podcast because we're going to talk at length about the movie. But yes, uh, if you want to know. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Definitely. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you did. Um, I was I was worried. I was thinking about it when I was watching it um, this time around. You know, you know, you ever have that experience working in like TV or or production where you're watching something and you don't see the flaws of it until you watch it with somebody who's never seen it before. Absolutely. That's what I was like kind of watching it this way. I'm like, Oh, I wonder if it's going to respond to that. No, I mean, I think, you know, it's probably, uh, different seeing it for the first time. I will say that uh, having watched the whole thing, I came away from it going, Oh man, I wish I could watch this movie, not knowing anything about it. I know. I know. Um, so I, I was, it's funny cause I was kind of right in that respect of like avoiding it because it's like, well, it's all spoiled for me now. Like, mm-hmm. unfortunately I knew the ending, you know, which is mm-hmm. like not something you want to know going into a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but even with all that said, uh, yeah, I found it pretty effective. So good. Yeah. Good to hear. I'm jealous of that beer in your hands. Um, it's a cider. It's an actual oh, cider. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have, uh, we don't have them as a sponsor yet, but I'll shout out Austin East Ciders. Um, <laughs> oh, it's an Austin brand. It's an Austin cider, yeah. Uh, well, it's <laughs> 78 degrees out here right now. so Yeah, it's hot as fuck yeah. in, um, in L.A. also. Well, I don't know if y'all heard that at home. I'm already saying to y'all. That's, uh, that's... <laughs> here, vamp for a second. I'm going to grab a yeah. beer from my fridge. It's unavoidable. Um, but, yeah, I'm cracking open another cider here, uh, breaking a little bit of a sweat. Got the citronella candles going. My cat's out in the lawn chasing down birds. I think she's going to fuck up the local bird population. But anyways, this isn't really horror movie specific, but uh, it's cool because Eric's back now. Uh, but anyways. Here I am. We got fresh beverages. Uh, maybe yeah. gr- grab one for yourself, and uh, let's jump into talking about the plot of the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, and this isn't a sponsor, but I am drinking an Olympia beer. Oh, I love Olympia. Uh, yeah, it's in. It's the water, is its slogan. Uh, I like that. I'm going to crack this puppy open. Nice. Well, this Here pineapple we cider really tastes like pineapple. I'm jealous. That's a, that sounds better than what I'm drinking. I like, I like this beer, but yeah. that sounds refreshing. It's tasty, and it makes your semen taste better. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'll save that. Um, I just remember a time when Mike and I went shopping together and he bought pineapple <laughs> for a reason. I'll just leave it at that. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Okay, guys, hang tight, because we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to recap this movie. All right, The Blair Witch Project. We open on this great text uh, text card. In October of 1994, three student filmmakers disappeared in the woods near Burkittsville, Maryland, while shooting a documentary. A year later, their footage was found. Great. We know exactly yeah. what we're about to get ourselves into. Sets the stakes well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is going to be a tough, a bit of a tough movie to recap exactly because you 
it's sort of all over the place in a lot of ways. But it starts with them testing out the video camera. Heather's mm-hmm. showing off her, her house. Um, and then uh, she, she, like she holds up uh, one of the books uh, about what ha- the incident that happened at Coffin Rock, one of the pieces of lore that we find out more about later. Um, she even reads from it. Uh, we meet Josh. So Heather's the director, mm-hmm. I should say. She's the director of the project. And she's the one who primarily uses the video camera. Yeah. Yeah, which so she sort of just mm-hmm. just to be clear for anybody who hasn't seen this in a while or hasn't seen it at all, all of the footage we see f- for the entire movie comes from one of two sources. There's a high video camera that she's using to ostensibly video tape behind the scenes stuff. Um, yeah. and then they are shooting the documentary proper so the movie within a movie with a 16 millimeter camera and that's in black and white. Um, and so everything we see is either supposedly found footage from what they shot with the 16 mil or it's stuff that she shot behind the scenes on video. Yeah. And I, um, it being 1999 in, and, um, digital video being something relatively yeah. new. Um, it's just, to me, there's a, there's like a third another layer to this movie that is kind of about being creative in a a drive to create Mm. um with in a low budget yeah given a low budget it's about people making a movie and it's about two different formats of film or uh, of movie making that are sort of fighting with each other yeah uh, at that moment and the one's emerging and will eventually overtake the other um, it's an interesting little like time capsule in a way. Yeah, and you know, on that note, something that I was thinking about that I found really interesting is watching this movie now in 2020. Um, like video footage shot on something like High Eight looks so dated to me mm-hmm. that it's almost um, the High Eight now has the effect almost of, of like a black and white 16 millimeter would have had maybe in 1999. Yeah. Um, that's a great point. It, it feels almost filmic in a way, if that makes any sense, because a lot of digital video now seems so real, like especially right. in like high frame rates, it's too real. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas film has that grain that sort of like puts a, I want to say a, fi- a film between you and mm-hmm. it in whatever you're watching, but that's a bad choice of words, but it, it's kind of distance you in a way uh, that yeah. this high eight footage does to a modern viewer compared to when it was shot at the time. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think like, this is something that almost gets into, you start wading into that pool of like filmmakers trying to get motion smoothing and things like that taken off of TVs as a default mm-hmm. setting. Cause yeah, we do with today's video technology start edging into things that are so hyper realistic that they don't feel like art anymore you know yeah um it feels too real in a way i mean maybe we're wrong i feel that way yeah so Uh, maybe i'm wrong maybe we're the dinosaurs because now i watch my son watch Mm -hmm. like youtube videos which he calls movies and like you know, which is, and we always correct him, like, no, nah, it's not a movie, it's a video. You gotta fix that um, kid fast, dude. <laughs> I know, I know, but so I, we're trying not to really limit the type of stuff. Obviously, if it's violent or inappropriate for kids, sure. we won't let them watch it. But like, we're not going to say like, no, you can't watch this YouTuber play Minecraft because 
I don't like it because that's what he's into now. And I think film, especially now that like this film industry is changing so dramatically in the past couple months. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what filmmakers in 20, 30 years, the kids now are going to do. And if even this is a art form that they want to pursue compared to like what they're yeah. kind of immersing themselves. In. I worry about I, it. I'm totally off base. Now we just, <laughs> we just started talking, yeah, it's, yeah. talking about the Blair Witch project, but it just, all of it uh, made me think of it. Yeah, absolutely. But anyways, they're getting ready to go make a movie. We're yeah. gonna meet, so we're going to meet a second character now, right? That's where Yeah, we got at. Josh. Okay. Uh, he's the 16-millimeter cameraman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they pick up Mike, who's the sound guy. Um, I had a T-shirt with the three of them. It had, like, their, uh, their like, missing posters. Oh. It had their heights and weights. And Mike was listed at 180 pounds, which always bothered me because <clears> – <throat> I don't think he is. I think he's heavier than that. <laughs> maybe he's. Sh- maybe they're all shorter than you realize. Yeah, maybe you're right. You're right. Uh, they go grocery shopping, pick up some supplies. I like that shot where she squishes the camera into the marshmallows. Yeah, I mean, very ASMR. Yeah, I mean, so just to get into this right now, like a lot of this footage, it feels like the kind of stuff that people would just film, mm-hmm. and and that's. Uh, very purposeful it's the these three uh actors who their names are the same as these their character names so it is uh mm-hmm. it is for those of you keeping track at home heather donahue michael c williams and joshua leonard heather mike and josh um they shot the whole movie there was a director of photography who was giving marching orders to everyone mm-hmm. but they are the camera people um, 90% of this film was shot by them. And so I think as a result, you get these shots that feel like people kind of fooling around with a camera. And it, for me, it feels very authentic. It really does. They're capturing the kind of things that you would do behind the scenes or if you just had a camera yeah. and were fucking around with it with your friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not to say that what they're doing is interesting or funny. It's just what they're doing. Right. It really... Uh, like throughout the movie, there's just such a realness to it um, that makes it even more scary. Uh, so they start interviewing people for their movie, uh, and they start out by f- filling out the first slate of the first shot, uh, which you know, as somebody who made student films, is, is definitely <laughs> like a momentous moment you'd want to like celebrate. Yeah. Um, we see a bit of the documentary with he- Heather narrating it. Doesn't seem like a very good documentary. She's a little over overdoing it with a narration yeah i agree and my girlfriend had the same note that she was like it, it for her it took her out of it a little bit because she felt like it was too fake but it was funny for me i was like i actually like it because it makes mm-hmm. it feel even more authentic that it's like oh yeah so when they're shooting the video stuff that's just them dicking around behind the scenes it feels more natural and then when she gets behind the ca- in front of the camera for the 60 millimeter stuff it feels like a little fakey because she's kind of trying too hard. And man, it's a shame that she never acted much and she's just growing weed in like Northern California. That could be cool. She might be doing great. Uh, I actually saw she just released a book that I'm sort of interested in reading. Um, I think partially about her experiences with this movie and also partially about growing weed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's a shame because she does, she does a great job. Um, so we're in Burkittsville, Maryland at a cemetery and she 
points out that there's an unusually high number of children laid to rest here, mm-hmm. mostly from the 40s. Yet no one in town recalls anything unusual happening. Um, then we get some quick fire interviews where we get more of the lore mm-hmm. doled out to us. Uh, the Blair Witch is an old story, is a town legend. I think I saw this documentary about it on the Discovery Channel, which I thought was a great touch. Yeah. Because uh, it is one of those things like, yeah, maybe actually – that sounds familiar. I think I did right. see something about yeah. that. Um, it's a, it's an old story my grandmother used to tell us. Um, the locals tell them about Rustin Parr, a hermit who lived in the woods and kidnapped seven children in the 1940s, supposedly killing them all on the orders of a witch. Um, and then – yeah, in the winter of 1940, kids started disappearing, and two men were out hunting. They were camped near a cabin where the witch was supposed to be supposed to have haunted. Um, in a Eric's, oh, a Eric's lost in his notes. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. Uh, the hermit Rustin Parr came down from the mountain and said he's finished. Right. Uh, so the police searched. He would take kids two by two. And make one of them face the wall while he killed the other. Um, of course, that comes back. I'm sure you've seen the movie. So it seems like they're really interviewing real people. I, I didn't yeah. research what they're like, how this casting went, but uh, they seem very, very real. Yeah, I can shed a little light on I mean, so some of these people are real, just off the street folks that they found uh, in Burkittsville, Maryland, which is where they shot this. Um, and also the actors, the, the three principal actors did not know what these conversations were going to consist of. So again, that sort of organic feeling of them learning the legend of the Blair witch, uh, is also unfolding on camera. And one Mm -hmm. more touch, which I really liked is that the directors had convinced the actors that this was a real, uh, legend. So they, like a lot of the audience watching in the theater, were under the impression that the Blair Witch was a real, you know, thing. That at least people... And they didn't know until after the filming of the movie was over that it was something cooked up by the directors. Man, that is... That's so cool, but that's also so manipulative. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it gets worse. (laughs) Okay. Uh, We meet my favorite character in the movie, Mary Brown. She's great. Yeah. She's so good. She looks great. She looks like a town kook. Yeah. Uh, she tells her story about how her dad and her would go fishing. And one day she looked up and she saw a woman covered in black hair like a horse. Um, she kept, she had a wool shawl. And, and Mary was kept staring at that shawl. And she opened it up and uncovering that she was hairy from head to toe. Um, and it, she just fucking nails it. Yeah the casting on that and there's something you know there's something about this little monologue that works really well for me because it doesn't and i think this is something they do well throughout the whole movie which is they don't try to tell you too much stuff Mm -hmm. they don't try to feed you too much of a story at once they just give you images and little ideas and little things and and i mean you know it's funny because this is something i think that the directors mentioned in a commentary doing deliberately but it reminds me of going all the way back to spielberg always talks about when he shot jaws and how if he could do it again i think i've said this on the podcast before that he would he would never show the shark Mm -hmm. like if he could change anything about jaws 
And it's one of those things where the stuff that you can't see and don't really know, the unknown is always going to be scarier, mm-hmm. you know, than the things that you, that you, it's, you know, lots of movies, you are more scared of the monster until you see it in its full glory. And then once you know what it looks like, it becomes less terrifying, you know? Yeah. Then that's in this movie, they don't show the shark. Yeah. In uh, like, there are moments when you're like, oh, is that something? Right. Like, yeah, you, you might see something, in, but you never, they never sh- they have a monster, mm-hmm. but you're always kind of looking for it. And yeah. even just a little glimpse. Um, so <laughs> I like after they meet with, with Mary Brown, they're shit talking her. And this feels so real. She said, they say, like, oh, she says she's a ballerina, a historian writing a book, <laughs> a scientist, uh, and a scientist. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just like, Total, you know that kind of person. Yeah. I was actually on a deep dive going through conspiracy theorists on Facebook that are all – my hometown's going through a tough time right now. Mm. Just is, is fighting every- with each other about, like, if they should wear masks, if they shouldn't wear masks. And uh, I went down – like, I saw somebody I went to high school with mm. commenting with, like, pretty out-there stuff to say. So I just sort of went down a whole reading up on her. And she – it's the same. She's yeah. Like I'm, I'm has like five different superlatives. Yeah. In like it, occupations. It's funny. You know what this, it reminds me of. I always, and, and no offense to a certain sector of the population, but uh, I would always joke that like, you can always tell like the kind of wacky people who can't keep a regular job by like the mid thirties to 50s turn towards doing real estate it's just like (laughs) it's just like you you're on you're on facebook and it's like you know somebody posts just like yeah i just passed the real estate exam and i'm like aren't you uh aren't you a director like (laughs) or it's just like like aren't don't don't you work at a medical testing facility you're a fucking (laughs) realtor now what are you it's you know yeah uh, it's like the person you meet is like, oh yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a DJ. I, I direct music videos. Yeah, that's the uh, youth, all... the youthful version of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I run a stand at the farmers market. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they're back at the hotel room before they start shooting. They're celebrating. Uh, looks great. They're just drinking. They're drinking. They make Heather do a shot. Um, the next morning, they're all hungover. And we set up that Heather is annoying with her filming. <laughs> yeah. The, with the, they're, they're getting annoyed. Like, come on, man, get that thing out of my fucking right. face. And, it's, and, you know, it's, it's a necessary and it's a smart thing because as the movie goes on, you're going to continue to need logical justification for why the camera is rolling at various exactly. points in time. Yeah. Exactly. And that's something I've mentioned before on the podcast uh, about – I hate it about Diary of the Dead because uh-huh. um, there's one sequence where they're like in a, a hospital and they have to um, one the character has to like charge the batteries in the camera yeah and he's about to get eaten by zombies and he refuses to leave before the camera's charged and it's like this I think he's sort of making a joke about like our you know right. tied to technology but it's just like I don't buy it it's breaking the reality for me. Just turn the fucking camera off and get out of there. Totally. For this, they do a good job, like justifying why she's doing all of this. Yeah. Um, they interview some fishermen, uh, <laughs> and they ask like, what do you know about the, da- the Blair witch? 
like the damn kid, damn fool kids will never learn. Um, I, I like that it's a nice touch. They asked to use their permission yeah. for their, to use their image in the documentary. Um, the fishermen tell the story of a little girl who got lost. And then three days later, she shows up at her grandmother's house babbling about an old woman whose feet never touched the ground. Um, and everybody knows that this place has been haunted by that woman for years. Uh, again, just doling out more lore. Yeah. Uh, I like the other guys. Like, oh, that's bullshit. He's like, <laughs> they're like fighting with each other about yeah. it. Like, oh, come on, man. Yeah, you know that's not real. Yeah, and I mean, it's funny because this is. I thought I had this thought as I was watching this scene. It's another moment where you get two different acting performances between the video footage and the film footage. The mm-hmm. the younger yeah. guy feels more natural when he's being videotaped by Heather with the high with the high eight. And then when they start rolling the 16 millimeter, he's like putting on a show cause he's on in a movie and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, they managed to get some really good performances out of a bunch of, uh, unknowns here. Uh, so then they start their hike into the woods and <clears throat> in my notes, I wrote plot versus character because at this point there's very little plot to this movie. Yeah. And there's just a lot of character moments. Um, so we go back to, uh, Heather <clears throat> doing her documentary style where she, I like, she claps her own slate mm-hmm. and then puts it down and picks up a book. Yeah. Like flips, <laughs> flips it open and starts, starts reading in her like wooden way. Yeah. Um, and she gives a lowdown on, of coffin rock. Uh, they're hunters that disappeared there and a search party found that on top of the rock formation, they call coffin rock. Uh, they found five bodies of the men bound together with their intestines pulled out um, and writing carved into their flesh. So then they left, and then they came back to retrieve the bodies, and the bodies were gone. Yeah, but the stench of death still hung in the air. <laughs> Gross. Um, it starts to rain. They set up the tent. And then the next morning, Josh says he heard two separate noises. One might have been an owl, but the other was cackling. Yeah. And Mike's like, if if I heard a cackling, I would shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with Mike on that. Yeah, me yeah, too, man. Hundred percent. And I, I mean, this is such a small choice, but I love that that at this point in the movie we don't hear this stuff that we're just mm-hmm. hearing Josh talk about it the next morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you do a lot of camping growing up? Um, I would say that I did a moderate amount of camping. I certainly camped a number of times i wasn't from like a camping family but Mm -hmm. uh yeah yeah i've done my fair share yeah i would go like once a year or so and even we just camped out my backyard just to give my son something Mm -hmm. to do and even in my backyard there is a feeling of being exposed when you're camping that you never i don't know i guess i'm sure if you're a real art outdoorsman yeah not some some uh guy who lives in fucking la just a couple uh, of uh, of aging hipsters <laughs> yeah some guy who worked on fucking cupcake wars <laughs> you get used to it but there's just like a feeling of being watched yeah um so they're looking at the map they're lost and giving heather shit about it which starts that whole downward spiral um Progressively, they they're complaining more and more. Um, I like there's a there's a moment where Heather's like filming a dead mouse. He's like, "What killed this dead mouse? <laughs> Witchcraft? 
is that the Blair Witch? <laughs> oh yeah. no, sorry, it's not. It's not Heather doing it. It's it's uh, it's the two guys. Yeah, it's a funny. Then, it's a funny bit. They're kind of making yeah. fun of the the whole conceit. Yeah. Yeah, and then she's like, "Is that the Blair Witch?" No, it's Heather taking a piss. <laughs> she's like pulling up her <laughs> pants and standing up from behind a bush. Yeah. Um, so they're looking for the cemetery. That's their next filming location. And Heather insists that they're not lost, but the guys aren't really buying it. And they start bickering. Um, Mike starts to get pissed off. He agreed. I, I agreed to a scouted out project, which I thought was a funny specific. Yeah. Like, is it scouted out? <laughs> but I mean, in the circumstances they're in, I think it's a reasonable request. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I did not agree to wander aimlessly through the forest. I agreed to go to a scouted location. We set up that Heather has the map. Mike can't read the map, so he's just putting his trust into her. Um, and he's, he says that he doesn't even know if he can fully trust her. Um, and then he says, why are we having this conversation on camera? He's like, but because I have a camera. That's a, another like another little seed planted of, right. of justification that a lot of these movies don't have. Um, Heather, they get across the river. There's conversation about how they should get the equipment safely across which rang true to me um heather finds rock formations on the ground cairns yeah cairns yeah i just read is that how you pronounce it yeah cairns i just read a book uh last week actually i i will recommend it because it's horror sci-fi called the gone world by Hmm. tom sweaterlish uh if you guys like sci-fi and scary stuff, but there's a lot of spooky shit with Karens in that book. And as soon as I saw them in the movie, I had an extra little shiver go down my spine. <laughs> I started reading a book um, from an author I had never heard of. So I mentioned before that I'm from Maine um, and I love horror. Are you going to say uh, Stephen King? Yeah. So this, this guy, Stephen King, it's a weird name, even weirder books, honestly. Real weirdo, you know? How does he come up with those ideas? Oh, my God. He must be um, twisted. Yeah, no, it's another main horror writer who's actually from even closer... Um, I'm trying to look it up. The book I'm reading is called Unt Sigahunk. Sigahunk? <laughs> Unt Sigahunt by okay. Richard Hatala. H-A-U-T-A-L-A. So far, I'm liking it. I'm very early on in it. But it blows my mind that there was another main horror writer who was from close to where I lived, mm-hmm. where I grew up, that I'd never, ever heard of. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're stupid. I'm stupid. I'm not a smart man. Um, <laughs> the Karens. It cuts to... Oh, yeah, the Karens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so... He's like, oh, this is just like Mary Brown. Mary Brown had talked about – they think Mary Brown had talked about these rock formations. Uh, and there's seven of them total. I wrote that mm. as if that's an important detail. <laughs> um, so then it cuts to them around the fire, and they're talking about Gilligan's Island. And this made me laugh really hard because I keep talking about the character of the captain. Yeah. <laughs> throughout the whole thing. And Mike finally, finally corrects him. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, uh, you're fucking idiots. It's the skipper. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Um. So they're getting some night footage of those rock formations, and with the sixteen millimeter camera, we see fucking Josh knocks one over. Mm-hmm. Uh, which may target him. I would say. So then it abruptly cuts to night, 
this happens a few times during the movie. It's always effective to me. Heather has the camera. They're all sleeping, and they heard noises in the woods. And uh, Mike is scared shitless. But we don't. it doesn't escalate from there. We cut to the next morning. Um, they're talking about what it could have been. They, they think it's locals messing with them. And tensions start running high and just keep getting ratcheted up throughout yeah. the movie. Uh, no one's really speaking to Heather because they're trying to get back to the car. And she insists that they're going the right way. Um, and they're, kind of, they're not believing her. And then it eventually gets late and she says – and then uh, she suggests that they should camp again. And that makes them even angrier. It's like, I thought you knew you were going. Yeah, because at no, this I, point we're at the end of, what, the second day of being lost? They, yeah. They are supposed to be back at the car the day before – yeah and and i you're talking about the sort of dynamics of them like getting frustrated with her and i it's just again i want to kind of give a shout out to how well they pulled this off because you really the way they shot this shot this in eight days and it is a 35 page script Mm -hmm. with no dialogue everything here is improvised by these three actors they just have story beats and character notes Mm -hmm. and everything that we are seeing is is at least sort of in a way the real reactions of these actors who are being put through a pretty shitty situation yeah Uh, they got legitimately lost during filming Uh, oh really there was an entire day that they were lost uh yeah while like from from the course that they were supposed to be on to shoot to like for the actual production i love um something that heather keeps saying is like this is america you can't get lost anymore (laughs) (laughs) there's there's no woods um so oh they, they tell tell they tell heather to turn off the camera and Mike starts like freaking out and yelling, having one of his mm-hmm. what will be many freakouts. They each get in, they each get a chance to kind of like freak out separately. Right. Abruptly cuts to nighttime, uh, and they're again giving Heather some shit. <laughs> like, are, are you happy? No, I'm not happy, Mike. Mike is worried about getting the DAT sound recorder back in time, which I thought was great. <laughs> yeah, um, and they're going to charge him for an extra goddamn day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a stu- he's a film student. Yeah. Uh, he also has to be at work at nine, and then abrupt cut. It's dark in the same night, same noise as the night before. Uh, Heather gets the camera fired up, and Josh gets the sixteen millimeter camera fired up. And I thought this is you know sound like a broken record, but it's another level of justification that they they can see better with the lights on the cameras. Right. Um. It, it might be a deer. <laughs> Like that's as if deer make horrible noises in the night. Cackling deer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and you really get this sense of like empathic feedback. I wrote. I don't know if that's a real thing, but it's like we're scared mm-hmm. because they're doing such a good job at acting scared. Yeah. They f- and I guess they probably were scared because they're getting fucked with in the middle of the night. They have all said that they were scared. <laughs> uh, the next morning, there's three piles of rocks outside of their tent, and they're getting spooked uh, and annoyed because Heather is trying to get shots of them. They're like, "Come on, Heather, let's get the fuck out of here." <laughs> yeah, like, okay, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. All right. Um, uh, uh, and then she like stays a little bit longer. Um, 
And then Heather notices that the map is missing. Um, and they think he- Heather's starting to fuck with them. They're getting all paranoid. Josh insists that he doesn't, he didn't take it. Um, so they decide to just follow the creek. Um, and they're crossing the river. Mike starts laughing hysterically. Like a creep. <laughs> like a real creep. Yeah. Heather gets her feet wet. And she's like fucking bummed. Yeah, they have this whole fight about like, you're laughing at me because my feet are wet. And it's like, it's this is a very real fight that the three of them get into. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It has, this had to be something that, that just came up organically. Yeah. It, it, um, they're like, no, we're not. We're laughing at the situation, which I've totally fucking right. am guilty of. Sometimes, like when my son freaks out, like has like a tantrum and he says something weird, I'll start laughing at that. Then he gets more pissed at yeah. me. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because the situation is so fucked. Right. Um, and then Mike, he starts laughing even harder, and he admits he kicked the fucking map into the creek. Yeah, big reveal here. Big reveal. Uh, Josh and Heather freak out on him. Heather calls him a fucking asshole. Josh tries um, to fight him. Yeah, Josh tries to fight him. Heather says, if we get hurt or die, it's your fucking fault. It's really intense. Yeah. Um, and he says he threw the map away because it was useless. And so you sort of start to understand both sides because they're not getting anywhere with the map. Yeah. But also, he fucking threw the map away. Yeah. Uh, and then they come upon those stick sculptures hanging from the trees, like iconic on yeah. the on the poster. Mm-hmm. I had a T-shirt with it on it. Um, it's the last. <laughs> it's the lasting image you associate with this movie. That yeah. and and a, and like the screenshot of a moment come that comes up later with Heather. I think yes, yeah. yes. Um, I like this. Like this isn't. These aren't rednecks doing this. No redneck is this creative. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they they have terrible funding for the arts. It's true. <laughs> Mike starts freaking out. He's screaming help into the woods, just uselessly. Um, then it's night again, and they turn off the lights and go into the tent. And suddenly, we hear Heather freaking out, and there's a sound like weird baby noises. Mm-hmm baby crying in the woods then something starts to shake the tent and they run into the woods screaming and they keep saying like oh my god what the fuck is that what the fuck is that and we don't see it um but you know they're looking at something or they kind of see something which makes it scarier mm-hmm. and they have to turn the all the lights off on the car- on the cameras to hide you just hear them like breathing and muttering to each other yeah i want to talk about this scene for a second so a couple things going on here. One, most of this stuff, the majority of what's happening here, the cast doesn't know what's coming. And so this is the director's, un, like, without notifying them, just, like, scratching and clawing at the tent, right? Um, and playing the sounds of little kids. They're playing, like, this This happened. It's real. It's ambient sound. They, like, it's diegetic sound. They played it on a boombox like outside in the woods to like creep them out. And then a funny sort of behind the scenes story of this. What the fuck is that moment? Uh, So the, what the fuck is that was the art director dressed up in all white, like a ghost running through the forest, which again, they didn't know to expect, but also was supposed to be caught on camera. 
And when you really go back to this idea that they never show the Blair Witch, spoiler for the end of the movie, um, they were going to. They had originally planned to, to have the camera pan over and catch this thing in the woods, but the guys were freaking out and running and didn't get the shot, and then they just decided not to reshoot it, and then they went with what they had. And again, I th- like I think we talked about this, I think it's for the best that they don't have a shot of you know some dude in a ghost costume yeah yeah because that could go wrong in so many ways yeah i mean i could i could see it being scary just to see like a a vague white shape in the right right but if it's like oh that's a guy with like a hoodie on or something (laughs) (laughs) then then that would you know it's that's i never knew that that's incredible yeah um the next morning Heather's pack is missing. There's slime on the ground and all over Josh's bag. Yeah, they trashed all of Josh's stuff and mm-hmm. not Mike or Heather's. No, it's singling out Josh. Uh, Heather won't stop filming, and Mike tries to get the camera away from him, from her, and she bites him. <laughs> <laughs> fair, um, fair. And then he takes the camera from her, or... or uh, I don't know if it's that scene or if it cuts to another one, but eventually they get the camera um, and they're filming Heather and she just look, looks miserable. Um, and either Mike or Josh, I didn't write who, must be Mike because he, he has the sound gear. He says, I can see why you like this camera. It's not quite reality. It's like you can pretend nothing is quite the way it is. Um, so that's just the ultimate justification as to why she keeps filming. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, yeah. So Josh is starting to lose it now. It's his turn to freak out because <laughs> uh, he's being singled out. Um, they come to a down tree over a creek. Uh, it's the same one they've crossed before. They they realize that it's, they're just going in circles. Yep. Mike really starts to freak out. Heather insists that it's not the same one. But you can just tell by the way she's saying it that she doesn't even believe it, mm-hmm. what she's saying. Uh, she's trying to convince herself. Then she starts to cry and hyperventilate, and then they just decide they, – they're like they, – they were walking south all day, and nobody knows how they could have ended up back there. So it starts to hint – well, I mean, I guess it's already started to hint that something supernatural is keeping them lost. Right. And it starts to feel really hopeless. Um, another scene where Josh has the camera, and he's antagonizing Heather. They're really making her the – not the – uh, not the directors or them, but like Mike yeah. and Josh are really hammering her. Yeah, this is a point in the movie where it started to grate on me a little bit. If I had mm-hmm. any misgivings about the film, uh, it's it's this kind of tone of like the the just like they're giving her so much shit. And what's funny about that is I is something else I read in the notes about the movie was that they cut way, way, way down on Josh fighting with Heather stuff. Oh, uh, really? To try to make the narrative, like, it's mostly Mike versus Heather and Josh sort of existing in the middle until, you know, things kind of uh, go astray right around this point in the movie. But Mm -hmm. I guess there's a ton of footage they didn't use because they felt like it was just Josh and Mike ganging up on Heather. Ganging up on her, yeah. Yeah. That's smart. Um, so the sun's setting. She starts to cry, and he, and, uh, he, he says to her, like, 
Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. He says, uh. He says, uh. <laughs> no, he's like, I, he's like, he's, he has a camera on her, and he's like, all right, here's your motivation. The sun's setting. We're lost. Uh, and he starts to make her cry. Right. He's like, you're going to write us a happy ending, Heather? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of brutal. No one's coming um, to save us. Yeah. Yeah. There's a brief scene in the tent where Heather's sewing her pants and they're just talking about food because they're so hungry. Then it cuts to the next morning and Josh is gone. Mm-hmm. He's all gone. Mike and Heather's, they scream for him. Um, and then he, there's nowhere to be found and they just decide we're going to walk east. South didn't work. <laughs> they have a nice exchange where Mike's like, wait, which way, Which where was the Wicked Witch from? <laughs> so, uh, the West. He's like, all right. That's the bad one. Let's go east. Yeah. Uh, and then it's nighttime again. We get a nice moment between Mike and Heather uh, where there's talking, asking what's a f- <laughs> what's your, Heather, what's your favorite thing to do on a Sunday? And she says, well, it used to be go to the woods and go hiking. And that night they hear Josh screaming. Oof, yeah. Yeah. It's creepy as fuck. Um, they scream back for him the next mo- the next morning. Heather finds a bundle of sticks wrapped in Josh's flannel. Um, she like she just kind of throws it. Yeah, she tosses it. She's like, <laughs> like nope, nope. <laughs> Mike's kind of like on the ground, shaking back, like rocking back and forth. Um, yeah, nobody's and, doing great. No, nobody's doing great. There's a nice moment between the two of them where she puts her arm around him to like comfort him. Uh, then she unwraps the bundle. It's bloody teeth. Yeah, there's some hair in there, mm-hmm. and what we, the, my girlfriend and I were debating, we believe is part of a tongue. I think it's supposed. Oh, to be. really? Yeah, so it's, it's hard to see. But. It is. Yeah, I mean, again, it's uh, yeah, it's height. <laughs> uh, she starts hyperventilating. She doesn't tell Mike. Oh, this is great because it must have really happened. She puts, she gets her hair. Yeah, caught she gets in her, her backpack. Yeah. And she has to ask Mike for to help mm-hmm. <laughs> to like get her hair out of there. Yeah. It's so real. I mean, because it must have actually happened. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's moments like that that just, I don't know, really knock this movie out of the park for me. Um, Mike tries to eat a leaf. Some nice, <laughs> pretty 16-millimeter footage of the sun through the trees. Yeah. Sort of this, like, calm before the storm. And then we cut to that iconic footage. Everybody knows it. Uh, it's, it was in the commercials, I believe. It was in parodied and oh, scary yeah. movie. <laughs> it, it, in a couple different places, yeah. I feel like I saw. I mean, this was the this was the famous scene. This is the iconic scene. It was inescapable mm-hmm. in in 1999. Yep, she's apologizing. It's just like her eyes and her nose, and she's crying and apologizing to everybody's mom. Her nose is running. That's like everybody really gloms onto yeah. that part. Yeah. Uh, she said it's all her fault. So it's my fault. We're here, hungry and cold and hunted. And then she hears something. She, I like this line. She's too scared to close her eyes. Uh, she's too. Take that again. I'm scared to close my eyes and I'm scared to open them. And then it cuts to black. We hear the sound of the tent being unzipped. We hear Josh screaming in the distance. They start running through the woods. They come to a house. So Mike has the camcorder now, and Heather has a 16-millimeter footage, but we're only hearing the sound through his camera. Mm-hmm. So all of Heather's 
stuff sounds like she's in the distance right it's really a cool effect it's very disorienting yeah um he's going through the house it's all fucked up they hear screaming upstairs josh screaming there's little kids handprints all over the wall Blo- they're like bloody handprints yeah yeah uh, it's great. and then um they get and upstairs. like ruins and symbols and stuff written on the walls and yeah it's, it's right it's, yeah yeah it's like yeah um Ruins, I guess, is the perfect way to describe it. Um, they get upstairs, and but the sounds actually come from the basement. Um, so Mike takes off in front of Heather, and you just hear her like kind of fading away in the distance as she's like screaming for him, and he gets further and further into the basement, and suddenly he falls. Then through her camera, we see her go downstairs and hear her getting closer and closer through Mike's audio. Right. So like you just, from upstairs you hear her coming down, then she gets there. Mike's in the corner, standing in the corner, and suddenly something standing hits her and she falls facing down. the corner. Yeah. Yep. Then that's the end. That's the end of the movie. Right. And apparently, uh, not apparently, because I watched them uh, in the special features. They have different ways that they shot that last scene. Yeah. And um, there's one where like Mike is facing towards the camera. There's one where he's actually levitating. Oh shit! Like, like, yeah, like just just floating in the air. And there's one where he's hanging like from a noose. Um, but I think they chose the right one. Yeah. And I, I'll say, if they're if if they were ever going to show any part of the witch here, it could have been cool to see because of the way he's standing. There's like something in the way. So you. you He's. Uh, I'm trying to think of how to describe this. It would have been cool to just see like a hand or something reach out for him. Yeah, I was thinking because I think I, I had a pretty good idea of what was going to happen here. I had read about it at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's some. It's, it's one of these things that I hate myself for now. But I think at some point, like seven years ago, I just read the Wikipedia plot synopsis of this movie because <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, I want to know what happens in that movie. Um, and yeah, I was thinking it would have been cool to just see like levitating feet or something like that. something a yeah. one little piece of her body mm-hmm. um and not the whole thing because that would have been a mistake yeah um so we got a body count of three in this movie very low body count especially compared to return of the living <laughs> dead rave to the grave <laughs> yeah also a distressing lack of euro trash rave music yeah i mean that, if there's one big knock on this movie is that a there was no rave to the grave yeah and at this point i've come a, i've become accustomed to yeah. movies with raves to the grave it's my expectation going in. <laughs> you can't put that toothpaste back in the bottle <laughs> once you've raved to the grave so a limited number of characters to choose from, but uh, oh, I should say here on Killstreak, there's a few different things we like to cover at the very end, uh, and this second thing being our favorite character. Mike, do you have a an opinion on who your favorite character is from this movie? Um, yeah, I do. Um, even though he is at various points in the movie, I think you could argue the most abrasive. I think Mike has the most funny moments which add a little bit of levity to uh which honestly i think helps the scary parts be even scarier um Mm -hmm. and also uh i think i think the actor does i mean i think they all to be clear i think all three of them did a really good job 
Um, but I think that he has probably the most work to do since he is the one who kind of becomes unhinged the earliest. And he really mm-hmm. has to walk this tightrope of being, uh, you know, it's funny in the return of the living dead series, we talk so much about, uh, the two principles, uh, in the first two movies slowly turning into zombies and just getting so annoying. Mm-hmm. And like Mike, I think goes through a similar sort of journey of like, this is just getting worse and worse as it goes on. And I think he walks that tightrope really well of not getting grading. Um, mm-hmm. He, he manages to be relatable and sympathetic, even though he is kind of the loud, uh, He's certainly the most vocal of the three of them. And I don't know if this is true or not, um, but it feels true. Uh, he might have the most screen time compared to the others because they're behind camera, cameras. Sure. I mean, I assume Heather has the least because yeah. you know, she's she's filming almost all of the digital footage. Right. Yeah. We're primarily looking through her camera. Yeah. Uh, for me, my favorite character is Mary Brown, local kook Mary Brown. <laughs> Scientist, historian, she's writing a book. Very and, uh, fair. Ballerina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice little. Uh, she, I just love her. She's that. She must be that person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, she must just be a famous person in Burkittsville, Maryland. Uh, she um, is. I, I can actually tell you, she is the only person who responded to a bulletin board casting notice they had at a local college. Um, of course. Yeah. So the of kind of, right, she's a woman. She's a she's a woman well advanced past college age who goes to check a bulletin board at a local <laughs> campus. Yeah. yeah, that completely checks out to me. Yeah. Next up, uh, because these movies sometimes are twenty, thirty years old, there's always something that just doesn't age well, and so it's the moment that has aged the worst. Uh, that's a little bit of a tough one. for this movie because I feel like even though you can tell it was Mm -hmm. shot 21 years ago there's not a lot in it that really falls flat because because of when it was filmed yeah I mean I have I have sort of two things for this which is funny you've got nothing um I got well maybe it'll it'll maybe it'll make me think of something maybe I'll get you so for me it's something we touched on just a couple minutes ago if if there's one issue I have with how this all unfolds, uh, it's because of the dynamic of having these two guys and one woman. Um, even with the adjustments that they made to the edit, it still kind of creeps into this territory of just like listening to two guys berate a female, a which is yeah. like not fun to listen to. And also, if you if you especially Heather Donahue, some of the things she said about production, like I don't think she had, I think she, she maintains positive relationship with both of her co-stars, but it also like she, I think it was felt even in real life, that kind of dynamic of just like, sure. It's it's these two guys and me. And uh, yeah, she wasn't entirely comfortable the whole time. Um, So that That for me is the thing that maybe doesn't, I don't know if it's an issue of aging so much as it's just like, it doesn't play as well. Um, and the other thing that's not really in aging poorly, but I think just to acknowledge the aging of the movie is how much the lack of cell phones helps this plot work. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Great. Yeah, totally. There's so many things that are now 
could just be immediately solved with cell phones. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I guess they could have always been like, whoa, I, I have no service. Yeah, I have no sure. service either. Yeah, but I mean, also it's like you know, you got a GPS phone, you've got mm-hmm. sat sat stuff and all that, and it's just like, yeah, with current technology, it's a lot harder to imagine this plot unfolding. Which is, isn't that how they communicated with with the cast? They would leave like dead drops with like sat phones and stuff. Uh, walkie talkies. Yeah. Walkie talkies. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, you can get a good, my, uh, you can get a good twenty five mile range off of uh, just a. 60 70 dollar walkie talkie handset so good to know yeah <laughs> local outdoor local outdoorsman uh mike price here that's me i live in, uh, in, in texas now i say y'all and i got a walkie talkie <laughs> i do we bought walkie talkies for the drive oh for why are you getting separate cars yeah we had to drive two cars oh okay that makes yeah. sense um so next up is the best death a movie that doesn't have a lot of deaths certainly on screen deaths I mean, I guess kind of the only one you can really point to is Mike facing the corner at the very end of the movie. Yeah, but he's, I mean, ostensibly alive, right? That's true. It's, he's still alive in that. Yeah. Hmm. So maybe, I mean, I guess they're missing. It's presumed they're dead. Maybe they're not dead. Yeah. Who knows? Um, yeah. I, I'll just I'll just say it. Not a lot of good deaths in this movie. That's not no. what it's about. Yeah. Not what it's about. Yeah. Yeah, I don't – I mean, if I have a best – like, honestly, the closest thing I can think of is listening to Heather narrate the story of Coffin Rock. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, so then next up, here on Kill Streak, we like to rate uh, the movie scariness on something we like to call the Carpenter Scale. Uh, it's a 1 to 10 scale with zero – I'm sorry. It's a 0 to 10 scale <laughs> <laughs> with zero being the made-for-TV Elvis movie and 10 being John Carpenter's The Thing, uh, which we all know is the scariest movie ever made. Yeah. Uh, so, Mike, for you, where does The Blair Witch Project fall on the Carpenter scale? Um, you know, this one's pretty high. Um, it's certainly uh, higher than anything that we covered in the Return of the Living Dead series. Mm-hmm. It doesn't quite reach, you know, the storied heights of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Um, but I would say that it's, it's pretty far up there. So for me, this guy falls just short of being a thing or a Halloween. Um, I am going to say, who, this is tough. This is tough. It is. Can you tell that I also didn't decide ahead of the podcast record? <laughs> well, I, I have, I have mine. Okay. So give I, me I, yours I, and I might just steal it. Sure. I think about mine. Well, so uh, you brought up a good point. Like, does this fall into the category of the thing, uh, which in our scale is the highest you can go? I'm not usually scared by movies. Yeah. There's not a lot of movies that scare me. Mm-hmm. Blair Witch Project being one of the few that legitimately freaked me out when I was when I was younger mm-hmm. doesn't scare me as much now. But uh, I have to go thing. Wow. For me, it's it's it, you know it's. Only six episodes or seven episodes into Kill Streak, and to already be awarding something a thing seems a little strange. But I have a feeling you're not going to see that rating come from me much no. from in the future, and certainly from neither from me. Uh, and you know, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt too that seeing this for the first time in the theater with not as much information going into it, yeah, 
uh, not knowing how it's going to end like I did <laughs> probably right. amps up all of those factors. So I'm certainly not in a position where I'm going to debate you. I think that that's very fair. Uh, I'm going to give this uh, a Prince of Darkness, which is a movie that's that definitely gave me the creeps mm-hmm. um, and and had some legitimately scary moments for me. Um, you know, so for those of you who uh, who just want it fast and dirty, let's call it an eight. Sure. <laughs> just like, just like uh, in case you guys are always wondering about what the fuck our ratings on the Carpenter scale mean. Uh, yeah, it's an eight. <laughs> All right. So that just about does it for our wrap up of the Blair Witch Project. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we do these ratings at the end, but, uh, uh, you know. I, I enjoyed this. I'm very glad that I got a chance to watch it. Um, I think this is a great recommendation for something. It's definitely a different tone than a lot of the horror movies that I tend to gravitate towards. I'm not much of a ghost story kind of guy. Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously, it's, like, it's witches, not explicitly ghosts, but it's one of those things where... The, the scares don't come from gore or some kind of monster so much as just the creepiness and the unknown. Yeah. Um, so I guess that is a recommendation from both of us for yep. the Blair Witch Project. If you're going to, if you have limited time and want to uh, delve into the Blair Witch Project, of course you got to start with the original. This, yeah. Uh, Hard yeah, recommendation I, here at Killstreak. Yeah, I think the majority of the time we're going to recommend that you watch the first, the first movie, movie. <laughs> in any series. But I'm excited uh, for the time when we don't. You know? Yeah, and that might be coming up sooner than later. Mm. Um, no, that's not true. But in the rankings, we could, we'll, we'll see. get we'll closer. See. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So All right, then finally, finally, to wrap everything up here, we have our final segment. Finally. Once again. <laughs> Finalmente. <laughs> Mount Rushgore. Yeah, hey, we're back on Mount Rushgore. Yeah, Mike, what is Mount Rushgore? Um, yeah, so we, uh, you know, the real Mount Rushmore has four presidents on it that are purportedly pretty cool, great presidents. Uh, you know, take it or leave it. Um, for this particular uh, singer, what what we call this this installment of mount rushgore we wanted to talk about the mount rushgore the top four or just for our our purposes the two of us putting together a mount rushgore of found footage horror movies Mm -hmm. uh we talked about this at the top but this is a genre that really i mean more or less was sparked by the success of this film Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and 100 and we've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of this. Uh, as you mentioned, it's cheap. It's, it's uh, I mean, arguably a lot easier to film a found footage movie than to put the sort of high production value you would into a traditional feature film. Yeah, and because that this, this was the one that started the craze, I mean, you, Blair Witch Project has to be first on Mount Rushmore. I mean, there's... We just sure. talked about it for over an hour. Um, it's it's the thing that started it all. Of course, you know, Cannibal Holocaust. There's other movies. Dog Bites Man mm-hmm. or Man Bites Dog, whichever one it is. Um, but this is, for this me... Is the, this is George Washington. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so for me, for my next uh, my next entry onto Mount Rushmore, I'm gonna go with uh, with a film that I had the experience that maybe I wish that I had had with the Blair Witch Project, which is I knew it was very popular, but I didn't know much at all about it, uh, and it was a movie that I watched. Um, funny, this is this is a stupid, very brief anecdote, but. I watched it with with a friend of mine uh, in the Halloween season, and he fell asleep like a, like fifteen minutes into it. And something about being in a room with someone else who's asleep makes a a film viewing experience extra scary for me. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. But uh, anyways, all of that lead up is to say that my next uh, my next uh, nomination is Paranormal Activity. Um, yeah. A movie that spawned a whole franchise. Um, you've seen it, yeah? Oh, of course, yeah. I, I remember seeing it in theaters. Um, and it was similar to The Blair Witch where somebody was just like, hey, you want to see this new movie, Paranormal, Paranormal mm-hmm. Activity? And I knew nothing about it going in. Yeah. And was um, surprised. Yeah, Paranormal Activity is, I think, really well done on another shoestring budget similar to this. Um, this is a movie that helped launch uh, the very successful career of Jason Blum mm-hmm. um, and, uh, as a producer. I mean, this was, I don't think this is the first thing he ever did, but this was definitely his big success that um, sort of launched the Blum House. Is it Blum or Bloom? I've I've said Blumhouse, but I might be wrong. I'm gonna go with Blumhouse, and if we're wrong, leave us an angry uh, email, or we're also gonna get a voice. We're gonna get a voicemail line going. So, oh shit! Yeah, that's gonna be pretty fun, I think. Um, um, and it spawned so many sequels too. Yeah, it's spinoff sequels. It's a powerhouse. Absolutely, yeah. It made a shit ton of money on almost no budget, and I just one of the things I want to talk about, or very briefly, is just like found footage movies like this, and I think horror movies in general are really good at jumping on uh, technology as it becomes more uh, normal in everyday use. So, like this, uh, you know, Blair Witch is is digital video is kind of it's it's using that. Uh, as a touchstone and paranormal activity, the whole idea of like a webcam security cam kind of thing, which is something that's super uh, routine now, um, was relatively, I think, you know, newer at the time. And they do a great job of using that that medium uh, to to kind of make things real extra creepy. Yeah, man. It uh, it. it like like I already said before with Blair Witch, I think part of the thing that worked so well for me with that movie was a time and a place, and I was completely surprised by it. So next up for me is a Spanish movie. Uh, I recommend pretty much the whole series. Is I think you say Wreck or Record. I've actually never heard it out loud, but it's stylized as open bracket, REC, close bracket. Uh, and it is a sort of a zombie movie. It's more of like a demonic possession found footage movie where a, uh, a reporter who is doing a news story in this apartment building uh, gets stuck in the building with these demonic fucked up zombies mm. uh, that start running amok throughout the apartment complex. 
It's really good. I highly recommend the whole series. Even the fourth movie, I believe, breaks format. And spoiler, it's not a found footage movie anymore. Still, there's enough fun to be had with each of them. And they each sort of uh, extend the lore in ways like, you know, there's always diminishing returns with every sequel mm-hmm. when they explore more and more of the lore. Same can be said for Paranormal Activity, actually. Yeah. Uh, but at least the first three rec movies um, are very fun. I think they're all streaming on Shutter, I believe, somewhere. But I highly recommend them. I haven't seen any of those, so I'm. I think I'm gonna have to take your recommendation and uh, and dig in soon. Yeah, throw one on. They're a lot of fun. Very gory too. So nice. Would, uh, yeah, so good. You know, deaths. I like that. Um, yeah. All right, and our last nomination for Mount Rushmore. Now this is one that um, I guess. Who knows? Maybe it's not the best found footage movie ever, but I want to give it major points just for uh, sort of exceeding my expectations. And that is the movie Unfriended. Uh, so this is I one you haven't seen, seen, right? Yeah. No, never have. Yeah. So Unfriended. I can't speak for Unfriended Dark Web, uh, the sequel <laughs> from 2018, but 2014. So you want to talk about. Uh, shoestring budgets and kind of making use of uh, new technology. So Unfriended is entirely shot via webcam, um, which is funny. Like this is the Unfriended is the only movie I've ever seen that you could produce right now today mm-hmm. in in our sort of uh, new reality of of home quarantine. Um, no, there has there has to be a movie coming out that is all Zoom, sure, you know I mean? or, or like FaceTime calls. Where yeah, like yeah. Stuck in quarantine. That's gonna have to happen. Yeah. So Unfriended <clears throat> is um, it's just kind of a, a high school uh, social media webcam thing. It kind of gets a little bit into that uh, sort of J horror, like The Ring type of storyline. Um, a little less supernatural. I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, but like a surprisingly scary and well done movie that revolves entirely around a bunch of teenagers on Facebook and, uh, sitting in their bedrooms on their webcams on Skype, uh, RIP Skype. (laughs) Is Skype gone? No, but I mean, it's just, nobody uses it. Yeah. What the fuck happened to Skype? I don't know. Skype, was king of the mountain. Yeah, then all of a sudden this uh, the the pandemic hit and Zoom just took over. Yeah, what happened uh, to just doing phone calls? Like every co- company related thing now has to be a Zoom call and not just a phone call. It's infuriating. As someone who has to do that for work a lot, yeah, uh, I fucking hate it. It's like, yeah, I don't need to see your dumbass face. No, and then I had to take a shower and like do my hair and stuff. Right. We we both say as we video chat our podcast <laughs> that, that mean, it's hey, entirely yeah. an audio medium. I'm wearing a shirt with sleeves today too. I'll point it out. It looks great. It's a really nice shirt. You look like a cute little sailor boy. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, another honorable honorable mention I want to throw out there is Hell House LLC. Huh. Um, it's it's very fun. It's it's like about some uh, people setting up a haunted house for Halloween in an actual haunted house. Uh, it's all found footage. Very good. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. And actually, you should write to us and tell us what your favorite 
uh, found footage movies are. And how can they do that, Mike? Uh, they can email us at killstreakpod at gmail.com with uh, their favorite found for found footage horror movies we're almost there we're we're nearing the finish line um any questions concerns comments if you guys have ideas for future segments things you think we were terribly wrong about things you Mm -hmm. think we totally nailed and you just want to let us know how much we rule uh and coming soon not this week maybe next week we'll be we'll be uh up and running with our voicemail line so if you want to call and leave us a voice message if it's not weird uh and it's suitable for broadcast maybe we'll uh we'll we'll listen to it on the air well it won't be next week i'll tell you that because uh these people won't be hearing this for seven weeks um okay yeah yeah that's fair uh somewhere (laughs) somewhere in the middle of the summer yeah uh, we'll start answering your voicemails (laughs) all right well that just about does it for us at Killstreak, uh, we have covered the Blair Witch Project. Next week, I'm fucking pumped for this next one. Blair Witch Book of Shadows. Have you seen this one? I saw it when it came out in theaters. I hated it, and okay. I haven't seen it since. All right. Uh, but I suspect, much like Return of the Living Dead Necropolis, that this may be better for me uh-huh. 20, 20 years later. Okay. Right. Um, it's really strange movie. It's directed by the guys who made uh, the Paradise Lost documentary series. Did you ever oh, see those? Sure. Yeah, the, uh, the like kids, the West Memphis. Yeah, yeah, West Memphis 6. Yeah. 3, yeah. 3. Um, yeah, they, yeah, 3, 6, whatever. And, and also the uh, – some. Uh, some kind of monster or whatever the Metallica documentary. Oh, that, that movie rules. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a movie made by documentarians. That's a fiction film, not in the found footage style. So it's wow, very weird. strange. Very okay, strange. You're, you're telling me too much. I don't want to know any more about it going in. So, okay. Right. Fair enough. So join us for that. And as always, I'm scared to close my eyes and I'm scared to open them. <laughs> <laughs>